0: Welcome, you are listening to the Better Together Podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Welcome to another Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. I am Callie Picardo, your host today, and I am here with Dr. Joni Sankin. Joni is the Associate Professor of Homiletics at United Theological Seminary, and she's also an ordained elder in the Mennonite Church. And she has written an incredible new resource called All Our Griefs to Bear, Responding with Resilience After Collective Trauma that's coming out this fall. And We are in a series with her unpacking some of the work there, looking at trauma, what does it mean individual, but also collective trauma and how can we, what small actions actually can start to end that, disrupt that cycle of trauma, but also start to bring some healing and resiliency there. So Joni, thank you for joining us again this week. It's good to be here. We are today looking at this practice of storytelling as a way to respond to collective trauma. Johnny, where did storytelling come from? Why is that a part of this book?
1: We are living in an era where our the stories that we have told about who we are as a nation, as people, are being dismantled and reconstructed. And it is extremely disconcerting for a lot of people. I think almost every day I hear or I read a story somewhere about books being banned somewhere. Like it is so bizarre to me. Like I think of that as being something that people did like a hundred years ago, right? But it's happening a lot today because there is so much anxiety over um, the stories that we're telling and how those shape and form identity, especially uh, of kids and in educational settings. So storytelling is a potent tool for identity formation. And that—that's what we're reacting to, and and that's part of the power that it has. It also um, links into memory, like it has to do with identity. So that's uh, and our purpose. So our our stories can remind us of of who we are. They can remind us of important aspects of our of our past and our identity. And they can also, with that, um, give us a sense of of what is our future. Like what does future look like? What are our priorities? Like stories are all ways that we do that kind of naturally. Uh, if you think about a family, like when families get together, they may have stories that they tell that are kind of emblematic of, of their family. Um, our chosen families do the same thing. Like they think of, oh, this is the story of how we met or this is a story of like, remember when we did that crazy trip to Vegas or whatever, like these stories, they help to kind of cement a group together. And so I think because of all that, it makes it a really powerful tool that we need to be careful Um and with how we use, because just like um, our society has uh, some backlash that makes it difficult to lament, which we talked about last week, our culture also has certain stories, like a, a certain kind of trajectory of how a story is supposed to unfold that can infect us in such a way that we have a really hard time when our own story doesn't match that story. And we think of like like the Disney princess story, <laughs> like that there may be trouble that you face but then you get out of it and you're somehow even better than you were before. Uh, and it's really hard when life doesn't quite meet that narrative. And so I think um, story can also generate within us a sense of anxiety that somehow we don't have the right story um, or that we have discomfort with a story that doesn't have that that ending.
0: So how does it tie in with trauma? It sounds like stories can both can inflict trauma or be yes. tied with it. Um, oh, for sure but also can bring some healing from it. So how does, how does it help with
1: trauma? Well, I want to be really clear that unless you are a trained therapist who is trained on like a narrative method that like, you should never force someone to tell their story if they do not want to do so, like that can actually harm them more, like telling their story if they're in kind of a really disordered, broken place can re entrench some really harmful things. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think it can be very empowering when the time is right and when you have chosen to do so to share your story. Um, It can destigmatize what's happened to you. Like we've seen this happen in the the media recently around abortion, like people who have had an abortion sharing that story, uh, the circumstances under which they had an abortion. We've seen this about pregnancy loss, Um, people sharing that story um, when they are ready and they experience this as empowerment to say, you know what? like this is a a human experience. It's something that happens to me. Like I'm not a statistic and I want other people to know that this is a normal thing that happens. So it can be very empowering and and really kind of therapeutic in that regard, but it very much needs to be um, the one who has experienced the pain or the trauma needs to be the one that takes the lead with that. Um, People's testimonies, uh, how they come to faith, like that's a, also a a time when people share their story and there's often that maybe trauma that's a part of that too. But again, it has to be their choice. Like to not say, get up and share your testimony. So, and so like to make sure that it's invitation and not like obligation or, or requirement.
0: We've seen testimony a lot in our church and the power when an individual says, Hey, I'm ready. I really want to share my testimony. Like God has changed my life. And it is at that point generally where they gotten some healing from the trauma. Um, I know we use it a lot in our recovery community as well, because it helps others know, Oh, I'm not the only one that had addiction ruin my life and ruin family relationships and make me homeless. But look where I am today. Look at what God's done. Like here, here are the people who have helped me in the journey. Here's where God has intervened. And Um, I'm not perfect, but here uh, one day at a time with Jesus, with uh, God is my higher power. I'm moving forward. And so I think there's definitely power in it to give hope to others, but I think that's a wise word not to ever force someone to share their testimony, especially when they're not ready.
1: Well, and to recognize that there is that elicitive power of story. Like when you hear another person tell their story, it is really common to have it stir some aspect of your own life in your own story. Like that's part of that common human resonance. And it's part of what makes story so powerful. And it's one of the ways that story is like abused and used in our culture. I mean, that's why a lot of like advertising is narrative or like they, they try to get you to kind of see yourself in that story so that you will too, will buy that product or that you too will like make that decision or that choice. But it's really good and normal though, to have that sense of resonance. I mean, that's, um, I teach preaching at the seminary. And so one of the things that we, one of the reasons why I focus on story so much in that class is that it really does get inside people's imaginations and allows them to imagine where God might be calling them in their lives or what might be a way that God is active in their world. Because I hear this little story, it's like kindling to the fire of the imagination that allows it to light up. So there is that um, tremendous potential with story. And
0: it, can give hope too, but I know it can also stir up kind of unresolved trauma. It can almost, especially if you can relate and resonate so closely to it. I mean, how do you use story in a way that helps without harming?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that sense of of having a very troubling story, I mean, we see this increasingly in our world. People will give a content warning, a trigger warning if it may um, derail someone who is not like emotionally psychologically prepared to hear that other person's experience. So, I mean, I think that's the best way is to give people all the tools you can to make a decision. Like what we want to do is not take away someone's power because trauma is so disempowering because you don't have a choice. It just happened to you. Like the trauma stole your power. And that's a lot of the wounding that happens is because it was so involuntary. Um, so I think giving people opportunities to make choices and to participate in decision-making. And so if you know that you're going to do testimony and you know ahead of time, like someone's going to share something really difficult, like a sexual assault or something like that, um, to say, you know what, like testimonies are being shared. There's some really difficult things. If you need to step out, please take care of yourself. Like you have that decision. Like there's no judgment, um, of doing that in a, I think in a church setting, if you know ahead of time, like give people a week's worth of advance. Put it online. Say so we're gonna be doing this. The more power that people have, like the um, less chance there is it's gonna harm somebody. Can it help empower people to be
0: able to talk about their trauma?
1: To be given like the to be the able permission to, to, be able to give to share that. Cause I know sometimes you go through stuff and you feel like you're suffering alone. Yeah. I mean, I think to destigmatize it for sure, um, to say like this is is an experience that is not beyond the realm of God's care and compassion. Like nothing that you've experienced is outside of what God can handle and what God's love can contain. And so I think to show a a breadth of human experiences, some of them are painful and some of them are joyful, like it's part of what it means to be a human being and to normalize that um, you're never the only person that has experienced a particular thing. And to say like, this is a, you're welcome in our community, even though this happened to you. And I mean, even to take extra care around that person. I mean, once a story has been shared, then um, those who have heard that story, I think have a special obligation to care for that one who has shared it so that, um, because we now know that about them, um, we don't want to go forward forgetting that that person has tender places um, in certain certain parts of their lives. It's just like if... um, someone shares with you, Oh, this is the anniversary of my mom's death. Like to know that then to be like, Oh, this is gonna be a really hard day for this person. Or like if someone has shared that they've had a pregnancy loss, like then when mother's day or father's day rolls around to know, like that's a, it's a tender, a potential tender place for them to, to interact with care that acknowledges um, that experience. It doesn't sweep it under the rug or forget that they ever told you that. Um, I think it's again, that, that sense of showing up and making sure that no uh, human experience is viewed as so taboo that it's um, that I can't be a friend to you or that God can't yeah. love. you. Yeah.
0: I'm mindful of kids stories in part, cause I have little kids and some of the things we've talked about with traumas, you know, often the things that we would do to care for a child going through trauma help with adults as well. And, um, you know, I've got kids it's back to school season. So we were reading a book the other night about a little girl who was starting kindergarten for the first day and she was really scared and nervous. And what if I'm what all the, what ifs that unpack, um, and it, it helps kind of name some of those fears. And I can imagine it does with trauma too, to be able to name some of those people and invite them into, a safe space of hey, here's how someone else journeyed through this, but I'm still unpacking this myself. I mean, any thoughts or any thoughts are is it helpful with ways that you've seen it used with to help kids share their story? I know often art is a way that yeah is used with trauma and healing to kind of let people express and storytelling is a way of expressing getting
1: it out. I mean, there is that sense of the need to express it and get it out, but there's also that sense of world expanding that can happen through storytelling as well. Like I think of being a kid and I grew up in a very small, entirely white kind of rural community and like reading books about like the civil rights era or reading like the autobiography of Malcolm X. Like it's such a different experience from mine, but like that story, it helped to expand my worldview. Um, I was talking with my daughter last night at bedtime and that she's, part of like a reading challenge at school where they're reading these stories. And like, as she started telling about the different books that are on the list, all of the books are about like a kid who is, has something different about them. Uh Um, and that they have to kind of navigate what it is to live in a world with that difference, whether it's like a disability or like the, um, or they're coming from a different community. Like they were an immigrant into a school system where they didn't speak the language. Like a lot of them are about that. And I think that growing up naturally has that experience of alienation. One of the stories is literally about a child, I can't remember the name of it, who is actually a blob from outer space, <laughs> but it's taken on human form, like what teenager has not felt like this, has taken on uh-huh. human form, but their human form is unstable, right? And that, how do they navigate world as this unstable human form, but while well, actually being a blob from outer space? It's like the best metaphor for adolescence <laughs> ever. So, like all the books were like that. They were clearly trying to get... um these kids to experience empathy for kids who are different. Yeah. And to know, like, if you feel like you're a blob from outer space, you're not <laughs> the only one, right? Like that's normal. It's normal to feel like yes. that. So there's this sense of both um, expanding and also validating that can happen from a from a story. And that it happens in such a natural, organic way. Um, I think it's part of why they're so powerful. I love
0: that because it's giving compassion to, and also rather than Having to ask a friend, not that you don't want to ask questions, but I feel like in 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 encountering racism, so often friends that are black or or brown are having to say, I have to now speak for everyone that looks like me again and again and again, like, can't you find another way to find some answers? And so the biographies like you're talking about where people are sharing their story is a way to do some self-education, some work, some compassion to grow and expand your own worldview, to even have some tools to enter the conversation. But then I know sometimes there's the, well, I read this book and now I'm an expert. It's like, no, 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 everyone's story is unique, but they can open up our worldview and um, help us expand our thinking and also help understand what someone else might be going through without making that person always explain and defend
1: themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of a memoir junkie. I love reading memoirs. Like, And it really is. I mean, it can really allow you to walk a mile in another person's shoes. Like it really can help you to establish that sense of connection. Someone who's really different from you. It's so like if you're a man reading a, a woman's memoir. If you're a woman reading a man's memoir, like because they experience the world in a different way than you do, like it just expands your capacity, I think, to understand in a way that is just really beneficial, I think, for all of our relationships. Um, but I want to. I recognize we're kind of nearing the end of our time, and I want to just name that um, after trauma. A lot of times, the identity and the story and the things that were guiding our lives may be shaken to such a level that we don't have access to those anymore or it may need to change completely in light of what's occurred. And so that that idea of restorying um is part of what it means to nurture resilience and to move forward following trauma and that scripture can be a tool for that like having a scriptural verse or a scriptural story that becomes your story that you can tell to yourself over and over again. And that can kind of be a guiding point for you. Like that is, um, it's a really powerful tool. And that groups, small groups can do it. Families can do it. Individuals can do it. Congregations can do it. Um, To put that on all of your letterhead, to put that on your website for the year, to start all of your meetings by reading that, like to just allow that to be your compass point um, and really just go into depth in that story. And it's something that needs to be discerned, I think, as a group. But I've seen that be a really powerful tool for people. That's good to name, Joni,
0: because I know so often, you know, you're, you thought your future was going to look one way, and all of a sudden, a tragedy happens, and that is no longer even an option for the future. And so, who are you reshaping the identify your identity, restoring to be able to start to hope and dream again? It makes me think we're uh, back in college. I learned about a type of theater, and I was it was we were a Spanish theater class, so it was Teatro de Oprimida, it's the theater of the oppressed. And they would actually take people who had been in powerless situations and have them enter in and act out a story where they responded with strength, with power, and with a hopeful future. And it helped oppressed people start to do some of that restoring work to imagine a different future and actually to respond differently in those situations going forward. So I know storytelling can be a powerful tool, both in sharing and expressing what you've come from, naming it, destigmatizing it, but also starting to think about what the future might look like as well.
1: Oh, for sure. And to recognize that no one's life is reducible to one story ever. Like there's always more than one story going on. So when you meet someone, you think, oh, she's the happy overachiever. No, there's probably also another story that's connected to that person. Right? So yeah, it's more complicated. It's always more complicated.
0: (laughs) A story with so many side stories and intricacies that make it worth leaning in and listening to others. Joni, thanks for sharing with us today, for being on the Better Together podcast. Uh, friends, we are in this series with Dr. Joni Sankin tied to her book, All Our Griefs to Bear, Responding with Resilience After Collective Trauma. So we've been looking at what trauma is, naming it, then how do you uh, ways to respond to stop that cycle of trauma and start the healing process and looking, we've looked at lament today with storytelling, and I hope you'll join us next week as we look at how blessing can be a way to respond. Joni, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. It's good to be here. Friends, remember we are better together.